Again, this is Buck Benny speaking with my friend Bob the Impaler. So, uh, <laughs> Bob the Impaler, um, <clears throat> we are on what are we on? Picard episode nine. So, there's one left after this one. So, this is the penultimate episode of this season of Picard. What's lovely is he's definitely gonna be back for another season, which is great. And uh, this episode. I was really, really happy with it. I watched it again just this morning, actually, because uh, I hadn't watched it in a while. And uh, it's a great two-parter between this one and and uh, part ten, the episode ten. And it's it's a strong, strong way to end the series. I really like it. Um, we're gonna spoil the heck out of it, just so you know. So if you haven't watched nine, you probably want to go watch nine first. But uh, let's talk. We will not spoil ten. We'll only spoil nine. Um, Anyway, so at the beginning of this, uh, they're going through the wormhole thing and flying through that. They come out on the other side. I thought uh, they did a nice job with Agnes crawling under the desk and just praying for it to be over, their trip through the wormhole and everything's shaking on the ship. And I'm like, see, this, this is smart writing because this, I can empathize with this character. This is exactly what I would be doing on the ship. You like to imagine that you'd be at the controls, you know, flying along. Oh, this is great. A little bumpy ride, but we're good. No, no, I know myself. I would be under the table going, stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> I don't care if we, if we end the mission. I don't care what happens, but just stop. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, that's, uh, but that's me. So, uh, and then, and then they, they, they come out the other side and they're like, oh, look, there's no ships around. This is great. And then all of a sudden the Romulan ship comes through and uh is attacking them and so forth um and yeah, the cube well, i guess we'll bring you to the next part too this so then that ship comes through does some sort of trickery and things and we won't get all into that but there's stuff going on there and then all of a sudden the borg ship comes through as well uh that is being flown by uh seven right yep. um essentially and then uh, the alien, the, the people on the planet are like, okay, this is too much going on. So they send up their little flower power things and <laughs> essentially take down all three ships um, with that and, and crash them. And so now they're all on the surface and, uh, and we'll go from there. Bob, the, the, uh, this whole beginning, did I leave anything out there or did I cover that? That's pretty much, yeah, pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. So then after they crash down, it's like, okay, well, now what do we do? And they're like, well, we, we, we should go find Soji's family or whatever, right? But then they said, well, we can probably check out the, the Borg ship because that's where uh, Samurai guy was, Elgin, Elgin, what's his name? Elnor. Elnor, that's it. It was El something, El Salvador. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so they go to... to make sure he's okay, go to the ship, they find him, they find Seven, and uh, which, which to me, I don't know if it's the best beat on the the episode or anything. Essentially, they go there, find them, and then say goodbye to them and leave. So, and leave them there to repair the ship. It's like, oh, I guess we just want to make sure they're okay. Oh, okay, they're okay, so we'll leave. Um, neither one of them coming with them, so very strange. Uh, anyway, so then they go to find Soji's people, and they do, and and it's uh, you know essentially a race full of different variations. Some of them look like Soji a lot. They're all like multiple versions of themselves. So so they're like you know twenty of this person and twenty of that. But I don't know a lot of extras. Anyway, um, and they all look kind of like Data with the Data skin thing going on and the eyes and everything. And they talk like data mostly, so it's like they've they've run into all data's children, which is pretty cool. Uh, and part of the thing that's there, they also have Doctor Sung, who's there, who's the son of the 
original Dr. Sung who created data. And uh, he, he of course is played by Brent Spiner and Brent Spiner kind of like I was telling Bob earlier, kind of channels his um, impression or his character of Dr. Sung, but sort of creates a younger version of that. And so immediately just by hearing Dr. Sung's sort of voice and Dr. Sung's kind of personality, you, you think, okay, did this guy have another agenda or not or whatever? So they kind of leave that hanging throughout the episode as to whether he's a good guy, a bad guy, what he is. Um, anyway, what, what, what else you got there, Bob, for all that stuff? Well, what did you think overall of, of things going on in this episode and things? There's a lot in this episode. Um, there's also a lot of different agendas. You're not sure what um, each person's agenda exactly is. Right. Um, so uh, Narek is there. That he's he's imprisoned. That's the Romulan dude. I think I got his name right. Hang yeah. on. Okay. Close enough. Um, so he's he's captured. Um, and I think, hey, cat. <laughs> My cat just joined me. Sorry. He's got those rhyme in the ears. Um, he, he's like in prison, and Soji, I think, really wants to kill him, but she doesn't. Um, and then Soji's sister, uh, Sutra, like mind melds with Agnes and finds out the, what the whole prophecy is. And okay, somehow. I'm stop you right there for just a second. I really, really, really wanted them to have Sutra have yet another sister named Kama. So you have Kama Sutra. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, the uh, <laughs> you can keep going. <laughs> That's for the like the pornographic version of it. Yes. <laughs> you can find it on the web. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, tell us more about Sutra. So Sutra's there. <clears throat> So she frees Narek, which is weird, and they're working together. Well, before she does that, though, she mind melds with Agnes. Agnes. Yeah, and I think that's where she kind of her her thinking sort of changes or whatever, because everybody sort of is all this. It's sort of a utopian society sort of thing, and everybody sort of is like, oh, love and care about each other and have everybody try and get self actualized and whatever, but. Uh, she's this one seems a little off compared to the rest. And then she wants to do the mind meld. And then she seems to even get darker after that. And so then, yeah. So then she goes and, and, and take it from there with, with. So I don't know. I, yeah, she was, she was different and more dark from the second you meet her. Yes. There, there's something about her that you definitely don't trust, even though right. she's enjoyed. Like she's more like lore almost. Yes. Uh, Lorish. Um so let's see what go what happens next. So they free him. Lore is Data's brother for those of you who haven't followed yeah. this Data's he, evil brother from the series. Brother. Now long gone. So anyway, but uh yeah so, so she seems dark. She frees him. Uh one of the two of them stabs her sister in the eye and and uh seeing uh soon played by brent spiner going oh your beautiful eye it's gone your beautiful it was interesting and, and, and uh, then and what happens to do we ever see what happens to him is he still lurking around then free as far as we know by the end of the episode i can't remember or is he dead yeah he goes to the ship to the borg ship and oh he's, he's heading the borg ship that's right I hope I'm not overflowing into 10 because I watched part of it. He finds his sister and gets these uh, grenades. Yeah, going. I think you're going into the next one. I think that's okay. the next one because I don't remember that and I just watched it <laughs> today. Okay. So, so, but I, 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 so he's headed that way. I think yeah. we know that. And then, um, then there's a big confrontation of everybody. Um, oh, and in the process of all this, the thing we'd love to, I mean, there's so much to leave out of this episode. Uh, now everybody knows Picard is dying and he's got this mental defect that's become acute and nobody knows how long he has but it sure sounds like it's somewhat imminent like it's going to happen soon um, anyway then uh, so then everybody confronts everybody at the at the end and, and it's just uh, what, what's Soji's sister name again 
Sutra. Sutra. Sutra says, okay, the, the simple solution here is we kill everybody. So all the humans, all the Romulans, we just take everybody out. And uh, and then we won't have to worry about it anymore because then and because the, otherwise they're going to keep on hunting us. So we become the hunters instead of the hunted sort of thing. Um, and then Picard is making a saying, hey, the Federation will listen to him. They got a big enough ship to fly them all away. They can get away from this situation. And then he'll talk to the Federation. The Federation will become friends with them. And then, then of course, Data, I mean, I want to say Brent Spiner playing Data, playing Dr. Schilling, <laughs> says, that's not going to happen. They didn't listen to you last time. Why are they going to listen to you now? You're an old man. Forget it. Uh, and so he sort of sides with the uh, androids, I mean, to go ahead and kill all the humans, which means, of course, I think they'd kill him too, but I don't know if he reasons that out. That's always the error of the bad guy is like, oh, so you're going to kill everybody else, but you're going to leave me alive. I really don't see that. I, I think that you're always going to kill them. It's, it's uh, the whole Baltar thing from the original, uh, 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 what am I thinking of? Uh, Battlestar Galactica. It's like, yeah, let's kill all the, let's have the Cylons kill everybody and you'll keep me alive. It's like, yeah, they'll keep you alive until they hunt down all the rest of the humans and then they're going to take you out too, buddy. Uh, anyway, so so it's sort of that situation going on. And uh, the, let me see, Agnes, they ask Agnes, you know, you're kind of like our mother. Um, would you die for us? Our mother would die for the children. Would you die for us? And she says, yes, I would die for you. And so they say, okay. So they leave her and Dr. Sung are in their midst, whereas they lock up Picard is where they, and I think that's where the episode kind of ends. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. They're also building this transmitter thing to call these race of AI beings to come wipe out the humans. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the, plan that came out of the prophecy yeah so, yeah so uh pagard's got to stop that save the universe and uh we'll see what he can do in 48 minutes or so next episode <laughs> <laughs> now 48 minutes uh, not really a spoiler but i have a feeling that he's going to succeed because uh, there is a season no two. no they're, they're wiped out there's no season two <laughs> no season two Season two is is simply a uh, about an android that looks like Picard. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Bobby. You were going to say something. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. There's too many. No. There's too many. Weird oh, there's another piece going on that we didn't talk about, and it's so funny how little pieces that things remind you of other things. Um, the uh, Sung is working on a body, a android body. It yeah. sounds like he's thinking about it for himself because he's feeling his own uh, mortality. So he's got this this faceless sort of uh, mostly finished android body, which of course reminds me of Vision back on uh, uh, back on the second Avengers movie where they have this body that has nothing in it. And it's what uh, Ultron is going to put his himself into that body. But we also know that there's um, visions sort of uh, mental ability is out there. And so you kind of know where it's going, that the vision's going to be put in that body and he does get put in there and becomes vision and so forth. Um, in this case, you're like, hmm. So you've got Picard that's dying of a mental, of a brain thing. You've got this body that has no uh, buddy inhabiting it yet. And you've got Sung that's wanting to put his himself in there. I wonder how it all shape out next uh, episode. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, they, they probably shouldn't have laid all that groundwork. To me, I would have waited to introduce the body thing maybe next episode. Because then, you know, you don't get people kind of thinking out ahead of how this is all going to pan out. I was hoping that it wouldn't. 
I was hoping it wouldn't happen that it doesn't happen that way, but I was hoping maybe they had some secret knowledge and how to cure them. All right, could be too. We'll, we'll, we will see. Um, but you can kind of see that could, it probably will go that way, which I think is a little weird. Yeah. It is weird. I don't know. So, uh, but we'll see Card if it goes into weirdness or not. Uh, Does that mean Picard's going to have like become activated and have like super fighting strength and stuff? That happens. <laughs> is he activated yet? <laughs> He's got crazy kung fu skills. <laughs> his kung fu is tremendous. But he starts speaking, and then the words don't line up with his lip movements anymore. It's pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> He's poor, poorly dubbed Picard now. From now on. <laughs> Eric. I'll get you. Yes, I will get you. Yeah. <laughs> this is not activated. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I, I thought this was a really good setup for the next episode. Um, you can see they have a lot of ground to cover in one episode. I probably, if it was me, would have cranked it back one episode, had a three episode arc to end the season instead of a two. Um, but I'm sure they figured they can fit it in and everything. It's just uh, my assumption is, and I can't remember, my assumption is it's going to seem kind of rushed uh, next episode, but we shall see how it all pans out. I remember, I see, because I haven't watched it in a year and a half or anything. So I remember I enjoyed it. So that's a plus. Um, this whole <laughs> series, I've really enjoyed far more than I thought I would. And uh, I've enjoyed it the second time through, like we've said throughout, probably even more than the first time through. So. I'm I'm delighted that we're going to get the next season of Picard. I'm delighted that Bob had shared the spoiler that we shared last week. I'm sorry about that, but it's just you know, that Neelix is going to come on and be a major role uh, as, the as their season, cook, yes. and they're uh, they're also their engineer. Um, <laughs> so he, he cooks things on the engines and things. He can, he can fry an egg on that engine. Uh, anyway, Bob. <laughs> Any anything more about the episode of the series in general or anything? Yeah, that was pretty much covers it. It was pretty interesting. I thought there was gonna be another because Sutra doesn't look exact because uh Soji and Dodge are the only two that look completely human. Yes. The Sutra doesn't looks a little bit more like data. She has a different skin tone. Yes. And eye color. All, all the alien, all all of the aliens, yeah, all of the androids or whatever they're on this planet, all look like Data did with his Data's skin coloring and Data's eyes, which I thought you didn't have to do. It's kind of a push to do it. I mean, if you could make them look human, they would probably make them look human. You would think, but it's kind of a cool homage to Data and yeah. makes him feel like even though he's not in this series that he is in this series in some way or another so i think that was brilliant to do that and i, I think dodge and soji are a more advanced in terms of like yeah being more human-like they but seem they like i mean that's the other thing they seem like they have more full-blown uh, characters or personalities than the than the versions that are on this planet have yeah because sutra is kind of data-like bit data like yeah yeah which is kind of weird but that you Sutra can still seems more developed than the others i mean if you looked at it you'd say okay everybody else seems like a very childlike version of data and then sutra seems like data but kind of an evil more like you say more like lore like an evil data and then soji seems like a fully developed person that just has little bits of, of data sort of in there the her react the way she reacts to things and, and things but far more human than anyone one, one piece they maybe they'll explain next week they still haven't explained is why did they send dodge and soji out there right I, oh yeah i i don't remember if they doesn't seem like they explain i'm trying to think if they explain that in either episode this i mean obviously they because they because they wiped their memory right so, so they i assume want, they're going to go into that next time because they, they don't know who they are until I mean that's underneath like in their memory banks but it's not on the surface so they don't know who they are until later they don't they didn't explain this episode why they sent them what I don't think this is giving too much away or anything 
I'll just say this whole series almost as important as it is to the Picard character to me is even more important to the data character and uh, the fact that, that he's sort of without being in it, it's pretty amazing how he permeates the whole thing. And you, and, and you get, uh, you know, they kind of go away and you don't really notice it as much until these last episodes again, but it, it connects so well to the first episodes. And I, I think I think anyone that's a data fan would be a huge fan of this whole thing, but you'd have to watch all 10 episodes. Or I suppose you could watch the first one and the last two and probably get most of, of that feeling, but still um, just a great concept. And I'm so glad they went with the storyline that they went, they've gone with. And uh, that will definitely be paid off in episode 10 in spades. So we'll see where that goes, but yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to watching it again. Um, looking forward to, like I say, Picard episode two. Um, I mean, season two. And uh, really, I mean, on a, I mean, it's in such a great place. This whole Star Trek universe, or whatever. The fact that I'm really looking forward to part Picard two. I very much enjoyed um, the uh, un- the lower decks. And the fact where that left off with with uh, one of the characters on um, Jonathan Frakes Riker's ship, and the fact that they're going to have Riker in a few episodes too, I mean, I'm really looking more forward to season two of that than I was to season one. You you all know how crazy I am about Pike and the fact that we're going to have Strange New Worlds, so I'm really really looking forward to that. Discovery is probably the one I'm not looking forward to as much as the others, but I, I've always loved Discovery, so I think it's going to be really good. Um, it, it's it's going to be fun to finally see Michael in the captain's chair. So there's interesting things happening on all these different series. So I saw so, uh, there was a, I don't know if you saw that advertisement when you played it, there was an advertisement for Lower Decks the next season. Not- Cool. It showed when I played episode nine. It showed what? A, tra- a little piece of the next, uh, um, lower decks season. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all, like I say, uh, every series. I just want them to start putting them out. It seems like forever since we've had a new one. So it's well, giving us time got- to catch up on these, though. We might be kind of done. If we if we end up going through, like Bob says, our next one probably Discovery season three. Yeah. And if if in the fifteen weeks or whatever it takes to present that, they don't have something new out, then we won't have be able to present anything new Star Trek wise. But that's okay because there's going to be lots of things coming out soon. So I think we'll keep us busy. And we've got to do um, in search of. Yeah, of course. We'll keep doing In Search Of. And, so, um, no new ones. but The old be. 70s UFO show. We got to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a lot of things we, we I, I have on, on our plate to, to things to do that I think would be fun. But uh, we shall see. So I guess with that, we'll be done with this episode. And uh, hope you guys are enjoying it if you're watching. It's certainly worth, if you're a Star Trek fan at all, getting either a subscription to, I mean, really it's worth getting a subscription for a few months to um, uh, Paramount plus just so that you can watch all this great stuff. There's so much of it because it, it, you could do that. I think they had still a probably have a seven day free membership or something and more power to you. If you're going to try and get through seasons one, two, and three of discovery season one of Picard and season one of lower decks all within your seven days. But I, you could do I, in fact, I'll put it out there as a challenge. If anybody can do that, uh, email us and say how much you enjoyed it and things. <laughs> <laughs> Craziness. Anyway, Bob, you were going to say something. You could do it. You just have to watch pretty much straight. Pretty much straight. Yeah. All week. But I tell you, you'd enjoy it. I mean, I think most people would enjoy it now. There's some people that still hate these all these shows, but most of the people that hate them with a vengeance have never seen any of them. So I always think that's interesting. <laughs> I refuse to pay for a subscription, so I hate them all. And it's like, well, fine, but uh, try them, you know. <laughs>
<laughs> anyway. All right. We're out of here. So thanks, Bob. And uh, we'll see you guys next week for episode 10 of Picard, the last one. Bye, everybody. Hey, nerds, I'm Will Wheaton, and this is The Ready Room, your official behind-the-scenes hub for all things Star Trek Universe. Today, I have the pleasure to be talking to the Soji, formerly known as Dodge, Issa Briones, who has all the details on the latest episode of Star Trek Picard. And as always, we will be getting deep into spoiler territory, so if you haven't seen Episode 9 at In Arcadia Ego Part 1, you're going to want to watch that first. Because honestly, when was the last time a Latin-titled episode of anything wasn't full of spoilers? And it's called Part 1. Like, it's telling you right there in the title. But first, the crew just uncovered an entire society populated by synthetics, and I have a thousand follow-up questions. Luckily for us, we have the show's creative team to answer a few of them in this week's installment of Producing Picard. Control Room! Engage. I think we thought of an all-synthetic society as a way of discussing how different life forms can be marginalized and how they can become reactive in the face of that. So the synth society on Capellius originated from a single neuron that was smuggled out of Daystrom by Bruce Maddox the day of the synthetic ban. And he then hooked up with Sung, and together they went to this world, which was pretty much off the beaten path, and began reconstructing by a process called fractal neuronic cloning. Doesn't exist, we made it up. From there, they created the first synths, and then the synths began creating other synths. So it is a world whose population is purely synthetic, uh, except for Sung, who is the sole surviving uh, organic there. We're not all machines here, you know. We created a, another Sung for Brent Spiner to play. He's played several, and uh, we construed this particular Sung to be essentially Data's brother. Dr. Alton Inigo Sung, mad scientist. My father had me, but he created Data. In fact, he never let me forget. It's always delightful to let Brent play different characters, um, and Sung's in particular. Uh, and what's fun about this particular Sung, like so many Sung's, is that uh, you don't really know which side he stands on. I am incredibly lucky to be joined by a remarkably talented young actor. I have to read the names of your characters <laughs> off of this card because there are so many. You never know. <laughs> Daj, mm. Soji, mm. Sutra, yes. Jana. Mm. <laughs> you are playing like an orphan black cast of characters <laughs> in this show. Ladies and gentlemen and non-binary viewers, please say hello to Issa Baronis. I am so thrilled that you are here. Thank you. Um, I love you in this show. Thank you. You are amazing in this show. Thank you so much. Um, uh, we have many, many questions. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Sutra. Mm -hmm. So she looks just like Data. Yeah. She appears to be an earlier version, an earlier synthetic. Yeah. Um, and. She is, one of the things that, uh, that impresses me so much, one of the things that makes you so fun to watch as an actor, is you really become a different person when you are playing these different characters. You're not an actor in a wig or an actor under makeup. You are a totally different person. What went into bringing Sutra to life? Um, I, think, I think the fun thing about, when I first started working on doing Dodge and Soji, it was like, oh, this is fun because I get to play someone so much like myself because um, she's a young woman, like, going through all sorts of crazy new stuff trying to figure out who she is, and that's exactly what I'm going through. But um, then to get to play someone very different and very different from, from those people is also exciting because you can take it in a completely diff different direction. You can have free reign, and, and the writers um, and, and uh, all the creative team were very generous with just letting me figure out who I wanted to make Sutra be. They, I mean, of course, they, they had their input, but they really let 
all of us kind of have free reign over our characters in a really exciting way. Did you get to take a lot of runs at her and try her different ways to sort of like, did you find her in rehearsal or did you find her in prep? I feel like she just kind of organically came about. Also, when you get into the into the gold and into the outfit and into the hair, I, there's something that's so magical about costumes and, and yeah. really making that character that I feel like it naturally just happens. I feel like when I'm doing work in makeup mm -hmm. or, or prosthetics or something like that, I feel like I'm not going to get caught. Yeah. I feel like I'm in the makeup, so yeah, I can like, take risks. Exactly. I can, I can be... I can be something that I would feel like, oh, that's too far. Yeah. If I did no, that it, a, it is wild how, like, just walking around set um, <laughs> in those wedges, um, yeah, <laughs> just, right. suddenly you, you start to walk differently and you start to just feel the character. And even people on set were like, oh my God, you, you become a whole other person. I'm scared of you. <laughs> she is a little scary, which is. is something we have really only seen once before uh, with Data's brother, Lore, yeah. on Next Generation. Yes. What is going on in her head? She lets Narek go. Yeah. What's going on with that? The thing is, you know, I feel like behind every every baddie, um, at least every good, compelling baddie, there, there's a, a real reason. There's, there's got to be a compelling reason why they are the way they are. And, yeah. and for her, I mean, we, we talk about, we, we don't see, but we talk about Jana, mm -hmm. um, her sister, who was taken from her in, mm -hmm. a, very, um, in a very horrible, shocking way. Um, and I think w when we look at all the, all the other synths on, on Capelius, this, this world that we're on, um, you see that they are this earlier version. They, they've really lived in this bubble with just them. So they're kind of sheltered in a way. They've really only known each other. And also everyone is made in pairs. So you always have your companion. You always have your person there with you. But the, the thing that's different about Sutra is her sister was taken. And that is that really affected her in in such a way at least this is the work that i've done in my head of course we don't see it but yeah. but that that loss is what makes her develop i think in a very different way than everyone else because she's experienced a pain that no one else on that planet has experienced so i think that informs her to since since they're not extremely experienced in the ways of the world mm -hmm. all she knows is this pain and that immediately colors the way that she goes forward and the way that she views sentient life, all living things. It really, she can't trust anyone. And that is what drives her to make these not popular decisions. <laughs> she, 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 she comes across a little bit to me uh, with the naivete and, mm -hmm. and the conviction of yeah. someone who is kind of a newly minted cultist. Mm-hmm. That sense of That's like this is perfect, yeah. this is absolutely right. Yeah, this is how it is, and everybody else is wrong, and I can see all of that. Yeah. Uh, do you agree that she's kind of fanatic like that? It, absolutely. I think because with something that extreme happening in her life. Um, I feel like that's the only thing she really knows. So she's just reacting in the only way she she can, and because we've all been hurt, we've all been in pain, and, and 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 that pain sometimes makes you do crazy things. Maybe you chop off your hair or something like yeah. you do something. But this is such an extreme circumstance where she's so sheltered, and has been in this almost cult-like world mm -hmm. that every decision is extreme. So she's like, nope. Hate those people. Yeah. <laughs> Writing them off. <laughs> Gotta destroy them, I guess. <laughs> and I guess as an actor, you know, you talk about how how bad people are like we I play villains all the time. We are never the villain. We're the hero of, of our, our story. story yeah, of right. Course. So you get to do this really cool thing in this episode where you get to play people, you get to play multiple characters who are in direct opposition to each yeah. other. Uh, when you were doing your prep, I break down my scripts and, yeah. and actions and all yeah. of that stuff. Did you do this, n the fact that you were playing all the characters, did it change your preparation at all? Or did you just, like, I'm gonna prep this character, now I'm gonna prep this character, they're all together? I don't, I don't even, because Sutra came so much later, mm -hmm. like, uh, the, when, when, I, when I first found out that I was gonna be twins, like, before we even started filming, I was like, oh, I'm so excited, I get to, like, play opposite myself, and then I get the script, and I'm like, 
she dies in the first episode. She was just dead, so I'm not going to get to play with myself. All right, cool, whatever. And I just like let that go. But then getting Sutra that late in the game just for the last two episodes, yeah. I was like, oh, this will be fun. Because you kind of, I've, especially since I've already very firmly established who Soji is at this point, mm -hmm. then it allowed me to immediately go like in a completely different direction. Because I wasn't prepping to creating two characters at the same time. It mm -hmm. was just like adding a new foe, a new interesting person into the mix. Um, and I feel like that just kind of came naturally because Soji was already very much a part of me, that I got to play something very differently in a more natural way. You have a couple of really cool uh, straight up data moments mm -hmm. that as, I mean, I think I speak for next generation fandom when, when I say those were lovely moments <laughs> and they were wonderful <laughs> to see. Um, in 1990, oh my God. Uh, long before you were born, I think, Yes. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Frakes directed an episode of Next Generation called The Offspring. I am sure you've it's my seen it. my favorite episode, okay. obviously. So, but. when I first saw you as Dodge, mm -hmm. I turned to my wife and said, my God, she looks just like Lol. That can't be an accident. That has to be a, a, a thing. Yeah. So for that episode, mm -hmm. Frakes directed that episode. Yes, I know. And <laughs> I've gushed to him about that episode. Right? <laughs> After he finished casting, he and I were in the makeup trailer, mm -hmm. and uh, we were talking about it, and he said, we all take for granted how good Brent is. We just, we don't even realize, until you see people do a bad data, yeah. how hard it is to be data. Yeah. I didn't see you do a bad data, I saw <laughs> you do a great data. So I wanted to know, if you studied Brent, did you lean on Frakes at all when he came in? Did you lean on Patrick for for advice about, because those mannerisms are established. Those aren't really yeah. choices, those are more interpretations. Yeah, yeah, I, when when I first found out that I was gonna be doing this, um, they, they made it very clear, like, you're not trying to be Data, like, of course, because also, like, no one can be Brent, obviously, um, but they, um, and also, she's supposed to. They're uh, they're both supposed to be very um, evolved and and advanced um, mm -hmm. synthetics. So I got to really just be. They were like, she she needs to appear human. So just mm -hmm. be you. But then we get to sprinkle in little kind of Easter egg head tilt moments and things. Yeah. That every time I read the script, it was like. Head tilt. All right, gotta <laughs> do that. But, the um, head tilt. I, I feel really <laughs> self-conscious that I'm gushing about this so much. I feel like it's super unprofessional and the internet is going to eat me alive <laughs> for gushing so much because this is like the Chris Farley show for me. Oh but I, I saw those moments yeah. and like I care so much about, about Star Trek and about Next Generation. Yeah. I care so much about the legacy of these characters yeah. that when I hear they're going, these things are going to happen, yeah, I, right. I go, please, don't, please, don't. please don't mess it up. <laughs> yeah. and, and those little moments, and the first time I noticed it uh, was in, I want to say it was like episode four. Yeah, Four. so there's a moment so. where she just kind of, where she does like that tilt, slight. and I was like, <gasps> Yeah. And I, want, I was like, oh, I wonder if someone who didn't watch that every day for seven years yeah. <laughs> would know, would know no. what that was. That episode was directed by Jonathan Frakes, and yeah. it was the first time that I really had to do that head tilt, and I was so nervous, and I, and I, and I had, didn't really, I hadn't worked with Brent yet, and I didn't really talk to him a lot, so I didn't get much of a chance to be like, am I doing this right? Yeah. Um, but since Frakes was there, I was like, hey, you can't help me, like, I, I wanna make sure I don't botch this, like, yeah. people are gonna eat me alive on the internet if I do this wrong. Yeah, yeah. And so we, like, tried it a few different ways, and then, like, the last take, I just hear Frakes all the way over in his tent go, Perfect! I can hear him say, I can absolutely hear yes. it. I, I love that. And I'm so envious you got to work with him oh my God. Uh, as an actor and as a director. A dream come true. Yeah, oh. right? God. Uh, my research staff tells me that you have martial arts experience. Yes. Uh, you got to do some super badass fighting sequences uh, yeah. in, in the series. Uh, back as Dodge and then again as Soji. Uh, uh, did you get to do some of your own body work or, or yeah. were you doubled a lot? Um, well, 
So right away, um, the f I think the first thing, even before we started rehearsing for the first episode, I immediately went into fight training. Mm -hmm. um, we have an incredible stunt team. And um, and yeah, as you, as you mentioned, I, I had, had done martial arts a lot when I was a kid, but I stopped in my teens. And, and so I was kind of afraid that it was going to feel really out of my body. But mm -hmm. once I started getting back into it, Come I was back. like, oh my god, I remember now how much I loved this. And, and it since I'm from musical theater, in musical theater you're supposed to be able to dance as well as, and, and I was always trying to like go to dance classes and, and get better at that, and it never really worked, and I realized, yeah, martial arts comes a lot easier to me than, um, than dancing does, which is not great for my career sometimes, but, um, but it, it really was so cool getting to like go back to that, and, um, and they really taught me everything, of course. Kira O'Connor, my incredible uh, stunt double in the first episode, she did all the flips and stuff because yeah. I can't quite do that. Sure, sure. But but they were so great at teaching me everything, making sure that I was safe, and I really got to do a lot of the fight sequence that you do see. So that was really cool. You have to do those movements. They have to be they have to be super controlled because it's a staged fight. Yeah. But then there's the other level of you're a synthetic. Yeah. So they have to be extra precise. Yeah. Uh, did you feel extra pressure? Was it? I mean, anytime you're doing a fight scene, it's it's intense. Yeah. Was there an additional intensity at all? Because I just wonder because I feel like you can't show expression. Yeah. You have to do. You have to make these choices that yeah. are so different from what we actually do. Yeah. No, I. I feel like in the when you're in the moment and in something that intense, I, I'm a, I'm a girl who loves drama and who loves to like tackle that kind of a role. Mm -hmm. So when you're in something that is so naturally intense, like you're not faking it at all. Like once mm -hmm. you're fighting, it feels like you're fighting. Like actors always talk about how like you know that you're playing a role, but your body doesn't. Right. And, and so when you start fighting, your body is in that mode. It is ready to kill kind of. So yeah. it just kind of comes out, which is a cool feeling because it's, it's not something you always get to to do and, and hopefully you're not having fights like that in your daily life. <laughs> oh yeah, just <laughs> sit me outside. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, but it, it really is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I wouldn't. You've seen what I can do. Um, <laughs> no, but it it really does kind of just happen. The the heat of the moment at all. Of course, you have to be safe since it's not real. You don't yeah, want right. to actually hurt anyone. But it is it is really cool to see how your body kind of just kicks in. How much Star Trek did you watch from the time you were cast until the time you started working on the show? Um, did you just, did you dive into it? Did you feel like you didn't need it? No, I I I wanted to know because mm. I I knew that I wasn't again I wasn't supposed to be Data, but I wanted to know the world of it just to, so I had some kind of background. But <laughs> as you know, twenty three episodes, seven seasons. It's a it's a lot to do in like a couple of weeks before filming. Yeah, so yeah. first, I just kind of um, was reading all the descriptions, mm -hmm. trying to see what uh, what pertained to me. Of course, I saw Offspring, and I was like, "Hmm, I wonder what that." And then read like Data has a daughter. No I was like, kidding. I was like, "Isn't that me?" Now, I would have expected <laughs> Star Trek Incorporated to go, Isa, you really need to watch this. Yes. Yeah, no. It is very important. They sent that later. Okay. But I came across that myself, and I was like, I think I should watch this. <laughs> And, and of course, I got obsessed with that episode. But um, yeah, I kind of bopped around to um, various episodes. But then I got to, I think it's end of season three, where um, Picard gets assimilated by the Borg. Yeah, Best of Both Worlds, part one. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And I just kept watching, and I got so hooked. We tend to sort of, at least in my slice of fandom, I was a Star Trek fan before I worked on Next cool. Generation. So I, I am obsessive and nerdy and obnoxious <laughs> and weird about yeah. it. Um, and uh, in, in my like little slice of, uh, of, of Star Trek fandom, um, that, uh, that particular episode and the story that kind of grew out of it is really, really, really important to us. Yes, very important. Uh, it's um, so much to do with with um, with our show specifically too, which is yeah. Amazing. Nothing really makes me happier as a as an actor and as a fan than meeting someone working on Star Trek who loves it and cares about it as yeah. much as I do. <laughs> yeah, no, I really, I. It's funny how it it slowly became 
so much bigger to me, not slow, but just gra I didn't re I didn't clock how how important it became in my life. Of course, I knew it was it was this job I was doing, and and of course that's important. But getting to like really know the story, and also getting to meet fans, going to comic cons, and mm -hmm. really seeing how much this whole franchise, but specifically this captain has meant to so many people and the impact that it has had on their lives it it, it becomes a very emotional yeah part of the job like it becomes so much more than than just a show you're doing were you apprehensive at all did you were you like oh no like is, is this going to be like a Saturday Night Live sketch <laughs> or 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 did or did you did you know the reality of Star Trek fandom i mean when you when you get a job and you haven't and you're out of a job, you're like, I'm going to take that job. job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course, so absolutely. There was yeah. no apprehension there. Yeah, yeah. But I definitely, and I, I was aware of how big Star Trek is and how, mm -hmm. how um, intense the fandom is, but it just becomes a whole, you suddenly see a whole other side of it. I think from the outside, you're like, oh, that can be a crazy fandom. But when you're in it, it's, it's, it's so appreciated because then it, it you realize, oh, this thing that we've been working on for six months, people want it, and people are, cannot yeah. wait, and people love us, and, and we love them so much for it, because how often, as an actor, do you already have that built-in, you already know people are going to receive it, people are going to yeah. watch it. Like, that's the dream. <laughs> um, at the end of this episode, yeah. Soji uh, is placed in a really difficult position. She has to choose between her, like, Motley Crue family, mm. and she has to choose between her synthetic family. Yeah. And I guess next week, we're going to find out what happens when she is forced to kind of make what feels like a Sophie's choice yeah. between these two families. Yeah, she's, I think the fact that she's found another sister is, yeah. is really, it's exciting for her because she, she, I mean, she doesn't even get to say goodbye to Dodge. She finds yeah. out about Dodge in the aftermath and it's so quick and just something she has to be okay with, the fact that she's lost her sister. And now she's found someone else who has also lost their sister and, and she can, she has the opportunity to make this new connection and, and find this new love with this new family. But um, as we can see, Sutra's not exactly what you may want in a sister. Yeah, <laughs> She's right. a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> and, but there's just, there's that natural thing. You can't choose your family. And, and she's, she's trying to figure out what, what is more important. Is, is, is this family more important or is the future of the rest of the universe more important? It, it, it's really a big decision to put yeah. on someone who five days ago thought she was human, you know? Yeah. Um, it is, uh, I've, spoiler alert, I've seen it. Um, <laughs> it's extremely satisfying, and um, it is important to me um, that you know that uh, I believe that Star Trek is better because you are in it. That you have played yeah. these characters so beautifully and so perfectly um, that uh, I cannot imagine anyone else in these roles. And I'm just, I told you this backstage, I'll tell you this in front of the world, I am thrilled to be in a Star Trek family with you. Thank you uh, so much. Because I think you're awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. <laughs> Data's cat Spot first appeared in which season of Star Trek The Next Generation? A, season two, B, season four, C, season five, or D, season six? And what kind of ready room would this be if I didn't have another brand new behind the scenes video package for you to watch? Well, I am not gonna drop the ball after nine straight weeks. Let's roll the segment. In the prop department early on, before we spend lots and lots of money fabricating props, we make foam core mock-ups of anything that we want to feel the scale of it on a person. And also for stunts and choreographing the fighting. And also sometimes we'll have them printed out in their various capacities to show the features and how they change and transform. In order to 
get the scale right, we'll 3D print these models out after we've done a foam core mock-up to get the ergonomics correct for the hand. So these I had fabricated to be exact replicas of what they had on the next generation. But we updated the pieces to be these different acrylic pieces so that the whole thing has this glinting, iridescent feel to it. The mill that they were built in is building all the sets for the show as well. And there's just so much dust. And so in order to glue these clear acrylic pieces together, they literally had to take them home over the weekend <laughs> because every time they tried to put them together, all the dust would swoop <laughs> right in right after they polish it. Before we start fabrication on anything, I'll do a show and tell with the creatives and guide them through every new custom fabrication for the show. We have synth tools here. These kind of represent the, the full gamut of the different engineering, medical, and artistic tools that they'll be using. Once those are approved, 3D models are built by the designers and then those are sent to the fabricators where new 3D models are built. In this case, these are just static acrylic pieces that um, don't have any electronics hidden so they can go straight from the 3D model into fabrication. Welcome to Thad's room. Eldest son of Riker, he is deceased, and so we had an opportunity in this show to show Thad's character through the props and through the set dressing. So if you look around the room in here, Thad was into cartography and into making fantastical worlds. So we were able to build and create all custom fantasy maps for him with different languages, cultures, mythical beasts and denizens. Thad is also the one who started building bows and arrows and Kestra tag along. So we want to show that he was involved in archery. Ah, right here we have baby Thad with Picard on board the USS Titan. A long time ago. Data's cat Spot first appeared in which season of Star Trek The Next Generation? And the answer is B, season four. The episode, entitled Data's Day, also marked the debut of recurring character Keiko O'Brien. Thank you so much for joining us here today in the Ready Room. I will be back next week to talk about the season finale of Star Trek Picard. It is called, wait for it, Et in Arcadia Ego, part two. Please believe me when I say you are not going to want to miss this, because I will be joined by the Admiral himself, Patrick Stewart, along with Dr. Agnes Girardi, Allison Hill. Until then, I'm Will Wheaton. Live long and prosper. Mm -hmm.